Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. And we, I, think, I think we're going to see a photo about mid-afternoon, but who knows? And yes, the names. So the front runners we've got are Alexander, there's James, uh, there's Spencer is whizzing up in tribute to Diana. I do think Alexander's quite likely. I think that they're looking for a name that has both resonances in the UK and the US. And Alexander, Alexandra is the Queen's middle name. And Alexander Hamilton, a key part of, key figure in, in American history. What? I think we might see some unconventional names, but perhaps towards the middle name. I do expect to see perhaps Charles or Philip there as well. This is a very royal baby and it is seventh in line to the throne and there is a possibility, if everyone else abdicates, I mean stranger things have happened in the royal family, that one day this little boy will be queen, be king. So they will be thinking, I think, very clearly that yes, they could have some nods to modern life, but also I think they'll be thinking about traditional names as well. So let's see if Alexander works out, but none of us got Louis last time, so you never know. <laughs> Good point. Oh my God, who the hell cares? There's a woman who makes her living <laughs> speculating about royal baby names. Wow. So we may hear more modern name, probably more toward the middle name. So like Alexander DeBrickashaw, Spencer, or <laughs> something like that. Uh, Spencer. Spencer's whizzing up the list. Oh, absolutely. She, she, um, pardon me, point of order. Which list? She stumbled, list on, she stumbled a number of times. They may someday be queen. I mean, king. I think it's because she was just BSing the, everything. I mean, right. it was all completely winging it. Probably watching TV as she yeah, spoke. Yeah, she had zero information. Picture the queen comes on. He may be queen. Okay. Oh, of course, he may identify as a woman, Jack, and be sure. the queen. Be the Wouldn't first. that be a great moment? Sure. Anyway, there you go. That was awesome. Where did that air originally? Do we know? Uh, CNN. It did. Oh, yeah, that was that CNN. That actually aired on CNN. Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy oh, yeah. crap. I heard no. it on the way in this morning. That oh, was my God. In the middle of one uh, a royal analyst that she was talking to, and then they interrupted that one to go to this royal baby name expert oh. who was live in London via teleconference. The other uh, royal commentator was I'm live sorry, royal studio. baby expert. We have the opportunity to speak to this woman <laughs> who will spout S for the next 45 <laughs> seconds. Wow. And people take that in not ironically. Right. Amazing. Amazing. So just a quick look at the best and worst states for doing business, according to Chief Executive Magazine. That's a website that gets printed on paper, kids, for some reason. Anyway, uh, Chief Executive Magazine. Uh, let's start with who deserves a kicking. Counting down for that, how, how many you want? The 10 worst? Yeah. Bottom 10, top 10. Counting from the pretty bad to the absolute dead freaking last rotten place to do business, actively discouraging business and watching business flee. So uh, Vermont, worse yet, is Hawaii, worse still is Washington, then Oregon, then Massachusetts, 
We're five for five blue states. Interesting. Connecticut. New Jersey makes Connecticut look business friendly. Then you have bankrupt and corrupt Illinois in 48th. 49th place, New York. And in last place, the SN and their hemorrhaging native population. I give you Corruptifornia! Your top ten for business. I'd sing the song, but nobody ever should after Ray Charles, Georgia. Then Ohio. South Carolina. Oh, don't look sad, North Carolina. Be patient. Arizona. Uh, Nevada. Indiana. North Carolina, future home of my brother who's moving soon from Hawaii. Tennessee. And number one. Number, oh, I'm sorry, number two is Florida. Number one for face eating and alligator stashing in yoga pants. But number two for business, (laughs) Florida. (laughs) Number one, the great state of Tejas. Hmm. I personally know one business owner who relocated in the last 18 months from California to Texas, even though he and his family, they're a California family. He just did the numbers over and over again and said, I can't stay and move to Texas. Yeah, I know and all I, those jobs. I know another business where they did the math and similarly they, they were they were locals to California. It's just you, how do you not? Mm-hmm. How do you not? I mean, it just you should know this guy. The it, tax benefit alone per year was just insane. He's an outdoorsman and uh, is in that business, actually, and uh, and values the environment and all Um. And he went to the county when he was building his, first of all, the permitting for his, I can't remember how big his facility was. It was a manufacturing facility, but um, it, it was, you know, medium large, not giant by any means. But the permitting was practically effortless, took two weeks total, something like that, uh, when it would take many, many, many months in Cal Unicornia. And then uh, he he went to the county about his trash pickup because he had to do weeks and weeks of paperwork about what he was throwing away and where it was going and who's picking it up and stuff like that in California. And I'm not for dumping mercury in the streams or anything like that. But he went to the county and said, listen, I've got uh, two trash dumpsters and I'm going to be making this and blah, blah, blah. And the lady said, well, that's that's lovely. But why are you here? She didn't even know why he would come to the county much less get on his knees and grovel for weeks and hand over thousands of dollars in permits for the right of, and I don't know if he wants to be outed on the air, but making a product everybody uses, and it's not a nasty or scary or anything product. It's just a product. Um, I'm pro-laboratories of democracy. It's a pretty good way to figure out what works and what doesn't. Yep. So you got 50 laboratories and you try different things. But how about the fact that the biggest state in the country and the second biggest state in the country are at the complete opposite ends of the list. Not just, you know, one's 18 and the other's 40. Mm-hmm. California's the worst. Texas is the best. Yeah. The two biggest states have taken completely different attitudes toward this. Right. Well, if you look at your top ten states by uh, population, which I used to know. I don't know why, but I did. I mean, the bottom three are Illinois, New York, and California which are, I believe, all in, well, obviously, California and New York are, and I'm pretty sure Illinois is in the top ten, too. Um, and then you've got a couple of super giants, Texas and Florida, at the top. So, difference in philosophy? Like you say, laboratories of democracy, vote with your, your feet and or your U-Haul.
Then on a similar topic, I uncovered the uh, top 50 lobbying spenders in the United States. I found this interesting. You know, we could we could grab a quick break and come back with it. It's a little dryish, but not what the heck I'll do it now. Number one is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which represents business in general. Just want to make sure everything's business friendly. Number two, and I'm always surprised by this, even though I've seen it several times, which I think makes me an idiot. The National <laughs> Association of Realtors. Realtors. Number two. Hawaii. Mostly because of the uh, the income tax deduction for mortgage interest, that means everything to realtors. Got realtor eyes. Oh, she got them. Oh, that reminds me, we have a good AOC clip, right, Sean? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Good AOC clip coming up. I've decided. She got them realtor eyes. Oh yeah, I know it. She got them. She got them. So then you're going to notice a trend as I round out the top uh, right. six or seven. Then it's Blue Cross Blue Shield in third. American Hospital Association, then Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, then the American Medical Association, numbers three through six, biggest lobbyists, all from uh, Big Med. In the world of healthcare. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So coming up, this AOC clip you're going to find entertaining. Also from uh, the world of psychology, the case for doing nothing. This is right up your alley, Sean. Oh, yes. Oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> One more thing. The the only individual company that cracks the top eight or nine, Boeing, it's $17 billion, Is that right? No, $17 million in lobbying. Stop crashing your planes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh. We'd be happy to consider that legislation if you can keep your planes in the air, huh? So experts say doing nothing is good for you. I'm in. Done. Where do I start? That's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Dutch call it Nixon, Joe. Nixon like the president? No, it's spelled differently. Oh. Phonetically like the president. N-I-K-S-E-N, Nixon. Okay, all right. It's, uh, it's uh, kind of hard to define in English terms, but it's basically doing nothing. Mm. Doing nothing is impossible, as my kids and I my kids and I have argued about, discussed. <laughs> that is a great kid-level philosophical <laughs> argument. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> even if I'm just sitting here, I'm still doing something. I'm sitting. Did I ever tell you about I was probably five years old, super energetic five-year-old. Wound up tight. Imagine that. Um, babysitter. It was a dude babysitter. Uh, he, to this day, I admire him. I'd like to know his name. He convinced me that, no, there's no kid that can sit quietly for five minutes. I'll bet you you can't. That's a good one. <laughs> and he manipulated me into sitting as quietly and still as a mouse for five minutes, which is probably the only five minutes rest he got during his gig. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Totally got me. Totally worked me. This article in the New York Times, case for doing nothing, stop being so busy and just do nothing. Trust us, it's good for you. I try. I try. I'm bad at it. I'm attempting it right now. <laughs> You're doing well. Um, perhaps it's time to stop all this busyness. Being busy, if we even are busy, is rarely the status indicator we've come to believe it is. I don't think I do it for that reason. I I I I know some people that it appears that they are. 
I don't think I feel like I'm somehow accomplishing more or a better person if I'm busy. I don't like being busy. I hate being busy. Mm. I'd, I'd be more than happy to uh, to not be busy. Balance. Got to have balance. Yin, yang, right, left, up, down. Thank you for that. Um, you can use that with your kids. I was just saying opposite things. But what they... Uh, <laughs> gold pot. You know, balance. Light, dark. <laughs> mm, yes. Sweet, sour. If the Buddha was an idiot. <clears throat> the sayings of Buddha, if he were an idiot. You ought to let him get a little sweet and a little sour. The Dutch call it Nixon, Joe. Yes. So the psychology, the psychologist they're quoting in the New York Times who studies boredom and wrote a book about balancing life and technology in a digital world. Um, the way I think about boredom is coming to a moment with no plan other than to just be and how we've stopped uh, embracing Nixon when we're not doing the things we should be doing because perhaps we don't want to, we're not motivated, instead we're just not doing very much. More practically, the idea of Nixon is to take conscious considered time and energy to do activities like gazing out the window or sitting motionless. I've begun doing that. It's a lot easier now that I don't have little kids. I sit in the backyard and just look at the trees and the flowers. The less enlightened might call such activities lazy or wasteful. This is nonsense, according to almost all studies. Uh, Taking regular breaks throughout the day to just stare out the window or just sit there. I'm picturing... Putty from the old Seinfeld show on the plane, just staring at the seat back. You don't want a magazine? You don't want anything? No, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. But that's but that's actually good for you to do that. Yes. You know, that that was actually pre-smartphone. That show. Wow. Um, so uh, people still did that now and then. So the idea of just sitting there in a plane, staring at the seat back, seemed crazy. Now we need to do that more often. Mm-hmm. We actually have to to work at doing that so that we don't. Just, you know, we're staring at our phone. Nothing important. Reading crap. I'm reading Twitter comments about last night's basketball game. Don't need this crap at all. But I'm not not resting, just letting my brain wander. Right. The best metaphor I heard uh, for it is that you do your mental filing when you're not taking input. And that's that's the problem, I think, is, and and obviously if you're looking at a tree, you're taking visual input in, but it's different. And uh, it's as if you're, only putting stuff in your inbox, and and you never file it, you never clean it out, you never take a moment to 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 comprehend what it really is. It's just in 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 in. It's, it's a recipe to make you nuts. There's also this, which is what worries me the most, is that by keeping ourselves busy at all times, doing this sort of thing, you know, scrolling through Twitter with crap, we are actually rewiring our brains so that we can't sit still. That's what scares me. Is if I've rewired my brain, then you got to really put some effort into breaking out of that to rewire your you brain. Re rewire it. Yeah. Um, daydreaming, staring into space, whatever, literally makes us more creative, better at problem solving, better at coming up with creative ideas. We actually can get more done. I heard an interesting uh, conversation with Aaron Sorkin, and he was talking about how modern technology has removed boredom. From a lot of people's lives, right? And he was very concerned because, for him specifically, and other people that he that he knows in in the creative fields, how much creativity is spawned out of boredom? Absolutely true. And, and if nobody's ever bored, 
then where is the creativity going to come from? I thought it was really interesting. I don't find it boring to sit in a chair and stare at a tree. <laughs> yeah, I, I could do that for a while. But like my, I know my kids couldn't. They would find that painful. I'm thinking of like get-togethers when I was a kid. You'd be at grandma's house or a family reunion, and a lot of us would just be sitting in lawn chairs, and the old people would be talking, and you'd just kind of be sitting there. Mm-hmm. And you did that for a long time. My kids would die if they did that. <laughs> they're just They're just not... I haven't allowed their their brains to be wired for just sitting there. Mm. They need stimulus all the time, which I don't know. Maybe that makes them adaptable to the world they're heading into, or or it's killing them. I don't know which. I'm nice reminded, I knew. reminded of the concept uh, that we've discussed on the show, and, and psychologists and developmental experts are talking about a lot these days, which is to be equipped to be an adult, you have to invent a game, come up with the rules, fight about the rules and solve that fight 500 times. You have to get lost and then find your way back multiple times. You have to have disagreements that authorities don't settle. You work them out for yourselves many, many times over to become fully equipped to be a functioning adult, which has been true of all of human history until recently when the whole helicopter snowplow thing became so prevalent. And now we're denying our kids opportunities to develop the muscles it takes to be a fully functioning adult. I think it's to our detriment. I hope we figure it out quickly. I should probably make it mandatory that we all, uh, particularly for my kids, that we, we no TV, no nothing. We're not doing anything for like at least five minutes a day. No screens of any kind? Well, not only no screens. Right. We're not doing anything. You're not playing Legos. You're not doing anything. We're just going to sit here. Just going to lay down, look at the clouds or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. We're just like going to hang out. I like it. Five minutes. I'll bet they'd, I'm going to try that today. I'll bet they'd find it just grueling. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we've got new polls with good news for President Trump, bad news for Bernie Sanders, and new reports about sharks as big as yachts and motorcycles <laughs> that fly. Sharks as big as yachts. What the hell? Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The question before us, did Kim Kardashian have ribs removed for her Met Gala outfit? They believe that she is so skinny in this picture, she did that thing that some weirdos do where they actually get ribs removed? Or is her hiney just so large that, uh, it, it, you know, relatively it makes her... I mean, her waist is very, very small for her uh, curvatures. Well, I did see her uh, a picture of her walking in to whatever that stupid party is last night in New York. <clears throat> Kanye looked so bored and annoyed by the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Well, he's an actual creative artist. See, I've actually done something. I'm surrounded by a lot of people that have never done anything. They're famous only for being famous. I've sold millions of records and sold out stadiums across the state and world. Well, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of hedge fund guys and, and you know, computer day traders. And women famous for being hot. Right. Let's get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Now, President Trump's approval rating hit its highest level since his inauguration. 46% in the latest Gallup poll. His approval in the poll God, has If been... I could go back in time, I'd place a bet on that two years ago with a lot of people. <laughs> He'll have his highest poll numbers in May of 2019. No, he won't. Or, better yet, 
Within two weeks of the Mueller report coming out, he'll have his highest poll numbers. Well, I think for a lot of people, if you'd have just said he'll still be in office in May of 2019, they'd said no way. <laughs> his approval in that poll has been as low as 35%, but the new numbers obviously show an increasingly positive trend for the president. The poll found that Trump carries a 91% approval rating among Republicans. You know, I think I may have said at the outset that all things being equal, I, I don't think he's going to finish his term. I believe he's a scandal, mishap, health, or quits. Lack of interest, right. gets tired of all the hassles. And, you know, I, I suspect at this point I'm wrong. But Nancy Pelosi just said that Trump is trying to goad House Democrats into impeaching him. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, he well, is. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a good issue. It's a good issue to fire up the base. And we got a new poll. It could be bad news for self-declared Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders in his presidential campaign. The poll finding a majority of Americans believe socialism is incompatible with American values. What percent? That would be fifty-seven uh, percent. Uh, Socialism incompatible with American values, while just 29% said it is compatible. Sanders, the only 2020 presidential candidate to use the term socialist to describe himself. Whatever that means. Meanwhile, back under the Big Dome, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says it's time to move on after the nearly two-year investigation by Special Counsel Robert Mueller. They told everyone there had been a conspiracy between Russia and the Trump campaign. Yet on this central question, the special counsel's finding is clear. Case closed. McConnell calling for an end to a Groundhog Day-type spectacle. <clears throat> on the other side, though, you got Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer slamming McConnell for saying case closed in the Russia investigation. I've just listened to my friend, the majority leader, engage in an astounding bit of whitewashing. Not unexpected, but entirely unconvincing. And on it goes. <laughs> As Armstrong and Getty have pointed out, a name to remember is Riley Howell. He is the 21-year-old hero who was killed as he tackled a gunman who opened fire last week inside a classroom at the University of North Carolina. Howell's parents now revealing that their son was shot at least three times as he rushed the shooter. He managed to take down the gunman so forcefully, the suspect actually complained to first responders after his arrest of internal injuries he'd suffered when he got tackled. Boo-hoo. Riley Howell's act of bravery managed to prevent what could have been a far worse attack. And off the coast, you got sharks as big as yachts spotted off the California coastline back after a 30-year absence. How big a yacht? I mean, like, okay, that's a yacht or Tiger Woods yacht. 30 to 40 feet. That's a good yacht. 30 to 40 feet. Experts. What? I need at least 40 feet. Wait a minute. 40 foot sharks? They yeah. got to be whale sharks. No. Or shark whales. Nope. They're called basking sharks. Ah, the basking shark. Yeah. There are 40 foot sharks? Yeah. Yeah, they're not the bitey kind. No. The basking sharks. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. They're oh, called. They're yeah, they're called gentle giants. They float around near the surface with their mouths wide open, vacuuming up food like plankton. Sounds like me in my pool. Experts telling the L.A. Times they think that warming ocean temps and, and uh, fresh uh, runoff from all the rains are bringing the uh, plankton back into the water. And that's causing the sharks to come and hang around California. So one of the three plankton-eating shark species, along with the aforementioned whale shark and the mega-mouth shark. Mega-mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
He does mornings on Hit Radio 99. Oh, <laughs> uh, dirt. But uh, they got dead whales uh, washing up yep. in the Pacific, right? San yes. Francisco, another dead whale. Yep. That was because the the, 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 the warm and waters have less food in it, I hear. Yeah. They eat something different, apparently. Yep. How much have the waters of the Pacific warmed up? I mean... A degree or something? A, a degree is going to change a com, cause a complete change? Oh, yeah. Come so they climb here. What? But doesn't, like, over the course of, uh, you know, one decade to 30 years later, isn't there that much change routinely? Or, I don't know much about ocean temperatures. Certainly. It should become your hobby. Yeah. Team of engineers at Texas A&M is working on a flying motorcycle. The team, known as Texas A&M Harmony, is competing in a $2 million contest sponsored by... Boeing. The criteria motorcycle. The criteria call for engineers to develop flying machines that are quiet, small enough to fit in the garage, and capable of carrying a rider twenty miles before recharging before dying. or recharging. <laughs> <laughs> before dying a grizzly death. If you want to go twenty five miles, too bad. The, co- the college station. Evil Knievel had a flying motorcycle. He broke every bone in his body multiple times. The college station team won seventy thousand dollars in the contest design and prototype phases, and in the final phase. Teams are going to be flying full-scale designs early next year. But there's a guy that flies over our farm now and then in, in what appears to be a lawnmower motor on the top of a lawn chair. That's an ultralight. With like a uh, with like a, a parachute on top right. of it. Right. Wow. And he flies around. So why couldn't you just have that be a motorcycle of some sort and you drive down the highway and hit a button, your wings come out, and all of a sudden you're flying? I think the problem is keeping it light enough. The engine, you know, big enough to actually propel you on city streets and the... the Tires being durable I enough. I expect to find this guy half-eaten by my dog sometime. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's your dude. I'd wait till he's all eaten. You know, and that's the thing about the ultralights. So you mentioned the parachute. That is that is one of the great things about the ultralights. If you do get into trouble, allegedly, you can open your parachute and come down safely. Yeah. I've known a few people who died in ultralights. Yeah. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Yeah, plunging out of the sky doesn't seem great to me, so I've avoided that potentiality. Oof. You know, every chance I get. I love the idea of flying. Absolutely love it. I mean, like learning to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. um, I just... I talked to a guy the other day. A guy mentioned to me he's a pilot. And uh, and then later in the conversation, I said, so where do you fly out of this airport? He said, oh, I don't don't have a plane or I don't do that. He said, I have a simulator in my living room. Hmm. I thought, that's interesting. So... And I, fun. I, a buddy of mine who is a pilot said the simulators are so good that it's it's every bit the same as flying. Huh. So do you get without to, the uh, you know what exactly? Well, without the uh, the gravity and the sudden sudden stop possibility, also without the cost. Right. So can you uh, can you call yourself a pilot? You get the setup and you're just a pilot. I have no idea. I think you need to actually be in the air for a while to get the license. Mm. Um, I suppose if you know how to fly a plane, yeah. you're a pilot. It's going exactly the, the same. Going to the recording studio the other day and uh, packed up my guitars and, and laptop and everything else and got there and realized I'd completely forgotten my list of notes for what I wanted to accomplish that day. And that was like the guide for what I was going to do. That man who can forget that list should not be flying <laughs> through the air responsible for the lives and deaths of anybody on the plane. I'm too or absent-minded on, or to Or on do the it. ground. Well... <laughs> For the people on the ground, yeah, that's the other problem. Oh, oh, if, if I kill if myself, I land on them, you mean? I don't put gas in my plane. And I kill myself. Well, that's one problem. But if I right. land on a car or a house, right. or it's tragic. Clearly, exactly. 
Clearly. Yeah, exactly. If you've ever run out of gas or not changed your oil often enough right. or anything like that. or yeah, Probably you're not cut out for it. Or, you know, didn't reboot the software on something in time. You stand there at the fridge a lot wondering why the hell you're there. <laughs> probably shouldn't be a pilot. Probably shouldn't be a pilot. Right. That's a good one. What do I need to know about this clip from AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Sandy. So this is one of her uh, little Instagram live streams that she did. Uh, Apparently she has never lived in an apartment or a building with a a garbage disposal. (laughs) And she is uh, asking some of her followers to help her understand this uh, this magical uh, contraption. I am told this is a garbage disposal. I've never seen a garbage disposal. I never had one in any place I've ever lived. It is terrifying. I don't know what to use it for or what its purpose is. Like food scraps? Like is this environmentally sound? I don't know. Interesting. You know, if she were a model or like a somewhat known actress and she's trying to get known, get some followers, uh, I, I would not care, but I'd think it's kind of funny. We don't have a garbage disposal. We have two, but one of them doesn't work, and I really need to replace it. But uh, I've been practicing. What did the Dutch call it? Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, have you considered... Not replacing it. Right. Honey, in order to better live a satisfying life, I'm not replacing it for another week. So the water still goes through pretty well, but it's getting a little cloggy. Robocalls continue to plague humanity. I got one about 15 minutes ago. Yeah, well, it seems like everybody's getting them all the time. Uh, Last month set a record. Every month sets a new record. In April, Americans received 4.9 billion Robocalls. Four point nine billion in a month. Good lord. With how many people have phone access? Two hundred and fifty million people or something, I'm guessing. Yeah. Hundred and six little kids. Yeah. Hundred and sixty three million calls per day. That's, That's astounding. A, that but anyway, astounding. the FCC out with a warning on the latest scam that is out there, which I may have fallen for myself. It's known as the Wangari scam, which is Japanese for one ring and cut. This is I what happens. It was like being hangry. You're wangry. Phone rings I once. Don't dare define it. Yes. Phone rings once, then they leave no message. You think you missed a call, and you call back. I have done this recently because I'm getting so many phone calls from so many different places with medical stuff that, and I don't want to miss these phone calls. So if I get a call and they and they hang up, like after one ring, I often call back. Well, don't do that, says the FCC. Unknown to you, when you call back and you either get an answering machine or somebody just kind of talking for a little bit and you're trying to figure out what's going on, you've been connected on a line with high interconnect fees, similar to calling a 900 number. Oh, boy. And they can hit you with a huge charge on your phone bill. Now, the the, the phone calls are going overseas because they have to do it outside of U.S. lines to be able to steal your money and keep it. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it looks like it originates in the United States. So you're getting a local phone call. One ring and cut. FCC says it's a uh, it's a big problem, so don't do it. If you get if you get a, a call and a hang up, don't call back. That's their their warning. 
Yeah, I, I never, yeah. I assume every single call I get is fake until I get a voicemail and it's somebody I know. Yeah, I, I mean, I would if I wasn't getting so many phone calls from so many different places right now. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, which has caused me to answer my phone a lot more often, and it's amazing how often they're robocalls. Yeah, yeah. If you have something urgent going on, it's also amazing how often it's. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is Sandy with Doctor Someone. So like, yeah, God, I'm glad I didn't miss your phone call. Yeah, because yeah, you know how this works. If you miss a phone call from a medical institution, uh. you can't call them back. <laughs> the number to call back is a main number, and then they have no way of getting you to the human being you just talked to. Right, unless the Pope calls and you miss his call, medical stuff might be the hardest. Thing to reconnect. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a real pain. So I try really hard not to miss those calls. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so you have to. It's, it, you know, buying a house is another one of those. You buying a house, you got the contractors and the inspectors yeah, and the yeah. realtors and the rest yeah. of it. You got to start answering your phone. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Shutter. So uh, you can email us anytime you want. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I was prepared to uh, to begin my new program of. Uh, dismissing AOC, by the way, and saying hurtful things about her because I've conv- become convinced that she is an entitled, self-righteous, ignorant phony. Hmm. Um, and, and you know, I don't say that saying dismissive things about. <laughs> this uh, no, this is my respectful side. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> when I found that uh, clip, uh, merely a young woman <laughs> being befuddled by a luxury. Hey, garbage disposals are illegal in New York City. Somebody texted. I didn't know that. No. What it says here? What are you supposed to compost? I guess. <coughs> you know, I don't have a. We don't have a garbage disposal at this house that I've lived in now for quite a while, hmm. several years, four years. Something. You miss it? Uh, I did. I, originally, I did awful, and I thought I got to get one, and then just kind of, I don't know, just got over it. Yeah, it's really no big deal whatsoever. Yeah, you just throw the food outside. I just put it in the trash can. He just eats it all. <laughs> Look at him. Yeah, that's that's a lot of what I do. I eat uh, anything. Not fair. Uh, y'all going to finish out. Quick note from Dr. J. Uh, again, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We were talking about the Johns Hopkins senior psychiatrist who is sleeping well while going against the politically correct grain with regards to ambiguously affirmed psychiatric diagnoses, uh, often, in his case, the uh, gender dysmorphia. I think I said dysphoria, dysmorphia. I don't know Dr. McEwer's work, but in my 34 years... Uh, in medicine, adults and children, including 15 years in the U.S. military, have come to a similar conclusion. Psychiatry has tried to solidify into solid science, but remains trapped in non-scientific thought. I was stunned to hear that a highly respected psychiatrist has done what I chose to do 10 years ago. Treat patients based on characteristics they clearly possess, rather than trying to pigeonhole them into some DSM category, and for the vast majority, anticipate a non-surgical cure rather than a chronic illness. That's and, interesting. And yes, for the transgender subset, my experience is that the psychosocial problems they had before surgery are still present af- after surgery. Uh, something odd is being aired. Um, yeah. Yeah. I worry about that. This Johns Hopkins psychiatrist uh, applied it to anorexia and a number of other things also. I I'd like to know more about that. I'm not sure I get how that would work, but... Get old Nancy Pelosi here. 
If you boys do a good job on final thoughts, I got a butterscotch in my sweater pocket for you. <laughs> Number one. That sounds nothing like Nancy Pelosi. Number two, the gurgling about making me vomit. How did they get that gurgling going? That is so gross. That is that's a pretty good punchline. <laughs> butterscotch. <laughs> Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Yuck. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Positive Sean, what's your final thought? Yeah, we were talking about the uh, the Dutch philosophy of Nixon, uh, you know, not doing anything in life. You know, I, I first learned that lesson from the great fictional philosopher Ferris Bueller. Life comes at you pretty fast. If you don't take time to stop and look around every once in a while, you just might miss it. Absolutely. Marshall Phillips, your final thought. Got to tell you, I'm going cold turkey. No more sports investing or scratcher rituals. And I just got contacted by my financial advisor about some future investments. And I said no. Oh, wow. Look at you. Staying strong in the willpower. I see your hands shaking. Michelangelo, final thought. Uh, Real quick reminder, Mother's Day is this Sunday. If you're going to buy your mom a vacuum or mop like I do, you got to get on Amazon in order. Oh, Jack, final thought? Yes, my final thought is Michelangelo just reminded me Mother's Day is this Sunday, and I better get on my broom or my horse or whatever I'm going to do and get this taken care of. My final thought for the uh, people hating on social media because Trump gave Tiger the uh, Medal of Freedom. Barack Obama gave the same medal to Billie Jean King, Bill Russell, Stan Musial, Pat Summit, Dean Smith, Ernie Banks, Charlie Stifford, Yogi Berra, Willie Mays, Vin Scully, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Michael Jordan. Well, my argument would be to end all of that. What's the president doing that Fair for? enough. The president? Medal of Freedom. Of the United States. Freedom! Really? Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Click on armstrongandgetty.com. All this stuff we told you about is right there to look at. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Armstrong and Getty.